Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjo Gall. Hello and uh, welcome to this segment on CTN. To learn more, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. And today's topic is Bimodal IT Challenges and Lessons Learned. And we have uh, Sahal Lahar, who's the Executive Vice President and Chief Information Officer with Brooks Brothers. Hi, Sahal. Good morning. Good morning, Sanjog. How are you? Very good, sir. How's life? Doing great. We are off to a, a busy start already in 2016. Oh, that's great. And, you know, as we are getting started, uh, we wanted to touch this topic on bimodal IT. So the concept was introduced as two-speed IT, and then we spoke about that as a bimodal IT. And it's it's been adopted by a number of companies. There there has been an interesting journey. Some people have had challenges in, in the way they try to get value out of it, and then others who are still on the fence trying to see whether this is for them. So our goal today is to actually look at what ha- what has been the journey like, what have been the challenges, what are successes, best practices, and, and gotchas and pitfalls that you have to watch out for. So that said, um, if we are looking at this evolution of bimodal IT, of course, you know, there is there is a business case around it. But then there are people who say that not sure if it is for us. What is uh, what is a qualification, if you will, a criteria of qualifying whether bimodal IT is for an organization? Or that's something just people who are naysayers are the ones who are making excuses? So in my opinion, I think uh, bimodal is really the path forward and everyone needs to adopt it because that is going to be the only way that you can survive in the digitally driven uh, world that we live in where consumer demand and customer demand is at an all-time high with customers more empowered than ever and really demanding more and more from from businesses. So I think uh, if if you are in any kind of business that has a component where you sell service or market to customers, um, then bimodal IT really is essential for you to speed up transformation in your organization and allow these new capabilities to be delivered rapidly. So would you say that the reason we actually had to introduce that we cannot really do away from with our uh, legacy infrastructure or applications, and we needed that predictability of what's working there, but that's, that's, that predictability comes at a cost of being slow. And in order for you to move ahead uh, at a speed where innovation is in the forefront, that's where you needed to create another capability, and now that you've got two different speeds at which you're trying to run, and that's why the bimodal IT concept was born, is that, is that what we are saying fundamentally? Fundamentally, yes, that's that's exactly what we're saying. I think the traditional, you know, what's what's known as kind of mode one in the bimodal world, which is very linear, keep the lights on, very predictable, um, focuses on, uh, you know, the old way of development, waterfall development, etc. That it, people have just realized that. Um, is not able to keep up with their their demands of the business anymore. And, you know, 
in the even before bimodal IT started, there was shadow IT, right, or or you know stealth IT, where people would kind of do these initiatives, um, you know, in the margins behind the scenes, and they would kind of do it without alignment with all of the business owners, without alignment with IT, and really. You know, I think bimodal IT gives you the ability to get rid of the shadow IT or the stealth IT, which is is very risky because you don't have the the right alignment and and the right consensus, and you also don't have any kind of governance around that. Um, so things can really get out of control, and initiatives end up not being successful in that model. So this is this is really what has led to what is known as mode two, right, within bimodal IT, which is the agile um, and really innovative approach to responding to the organization with, you know, with where IT is not seen as a bottleneck or the, or the people that are saying no or the people that are saying, sure, we can give you that, but we'll see you in 18 months. It really, it really requires everyone to, to adopt a new mindset. Would you think about this as a stopgap? Because if you have legacy infrastructure applications you're dealing with, and maybe you have a modernization play in the works, if all that is done, do you think we can come back to one mode versus carrying the two? Or this is a process, or this, is, this has to exist forever because you'll always have things that you have to make work in a predictable fashion, but then you also want sandboxing happening for innovation. Yeah, so, so I think that it will, it will exist for the foreseeable future because I think you're always going to have systems that are in more in steady state, and you, are, you really need kind of the mode one type of... Uh, you know, oversight and maintenance to those where, you know, not a lot's changing. You're kind of keeping the, keeping the trains running, keeping the lights on. But, uh, you know, you're, you're going to need to continue to, to innovate with, with other systems. You're going to need to continue to innovate with new capabilities in other areas. So I think that, uh, you know, it's, in my opinion, it would be unrealistic to, for this to be a, you know, a short-term a short-term kind of craze that goes away and and we merge back into one mode because, uh, you know, I think that uh, it it requires very different disciplines. It requires very different um, cultural mindset. And that, I think, is some of the key lessons learned. And we'll talk more about that as we get uh, later in the show. But, you know, that, that I think... Is, is really been a wake-up call to IT organizations to show that, uh, you know, there are different ways of, of working and we need the people that, that want a, a mode one type role where it's predictable. And then we, we also need the people in the mode two roles. And those are two different um, roles. Those are two, two different types of individuals. We have to respect that and not... Uh, not fall into the the trap of expecting that uh, one IT team can kind of play, wear both hats effectively. Now, if you were to wear the hat of, say, a pseudo-analyst and, and paint the picture of the state of bimodal IT today, do you think it is fully cooked? 
in terms of what it offered, the way we had built the practices around it, and the way the results have been seen by organizations investing in it? I think there's still work to be done. I think we have a, a basic construct around bimodal IT, but honestly, it's, it is still very new. I think people are still continuing to <clears throat> refine the the finer workings and around the model, around the governance, around cost attributes, value attributes. And so, you know, there's, there's still, I think, work to be done to get it fully mature. And at the same time, I think, um, you know, there's also an element of uh, you live and you learn. And, and so the first organizations that have adopted bimodal IT are sharing some of these um, lessons learned and and kind of recalibrating the model to say, you know, when we first started out on our journey, we felt that uh, you could follow these, these steps. And, and what we've really found is that... Uh, you know, we got two thirds down the list and, and really had to had to change our approach. So I would say we are still, you know, we, we're still not quite there in terms of being fully mature, but uh, as, as more and more organizations are adopting it, I think that is going to come sooner rather than later. Let's take a quick break, listeners, and when we come back, let's look at the various phases of this whole phenomena or, or this new paradigm shift that we are looking to adopt. So you, you start with conceptualization, and then you try to come up with a business case. Subsequently, you do some planning, then you do execution, and then you do governance. So if you look at these different phases where bimodal IT has to be picked up and you have to run with it, where are the challenges? What have we seen truly where there are hiccups and or gaps in knowledge and experience which is holding us back? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjoke All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjoke All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Hal, uh, you did mention in your last response that there are some issues. It is still evolving. So, if you were to split it a little bit, or maybe dig a little deeper. So in the conceptualization phase or business case development and funding phase in planning and execution and governance phases, any any change or any paradigm shift have to go through this. And then perhaps you could have other technology-related evolution that needs to happen, the tools, technology, processes. So if you were to kind of go into each of those and, and, and kind of give your take, uh, uh, give your perspective on where do you think the challenges are or, or the gaps or, or, or things that we have to improve upon? Absolutely, absolutely. So I would say that uh, really 
to me, it starts with uh, identifying the initiatives and determining which initiatives flow through mode one and which initiatives flow through mode two. People have a misconception that, uh, you know, any new capability should flow through uh, mode two, which is, which is not correct. Um, really, the way to look at it is to look at what is the type of capability we're trying to deliver. Is it, is it really just a, an, an enhancement to, your, to a back-end process in the supply chain world? Because if, if it is, then you know, that, can, that can absolutely continue to f- flow through the legacy mode one where you have kind of interim releases and you kind of bundle those and, and there is no... You know, there is no driver to have, you know, an imminent uh, build or an imminent delivery of that capability. So I think that's that's the first thing. The other one is that, uh, you know, cost and value. Um, we touched on this a little bit briefly earlier before the break, and I'd like to get into that a little bit more. You know, a lot of times there's a there's a misconception that uh, in mode two you really have no governance and, you know, the teams can just kind of go at the speed of light and and get things done and deliver everything. And I think that is the number one pitfall is bimodal IT really requires, it still requires rigor. And, you know, maybe you can go with uh, slightly lighter governance in some areas, but the governance piece is still very important. And likewise, the alignment in terms of your, your executive team or your, your business sponsors and leaders within each of your functional areas, everyone really needs to be aligned with what are the priorities that we're working on and how, how are these priorities going to be delivered and, and how do they drive us to, the, to get to the next level. So cost attributes, I mean, differ between mode one and mode two. And I think the, the, key, the key things that are, are different is that uh, in, in mode one, you have low uncertainty in mode two, you have high uncertainty. And, and as such, because you have high uncertainty, what you'll find is that you are looking at a more innovative culture, a more innovative mindset that requires not just your internal talent um, to be recruited accordingly, but also the external partners that you work with. You, you know, in mode two, you're more likely to work with the smaller vendors, the startups, the niche players, the boutique firms. In, in mode one, you know, tr- typically people work with the more tried and trusted um, vendors and the proven vendors. And then, you know, obviously there's, there's also the, you know, in terms of the, the failure rate, right? Um, in, in mode one, there's typically a low failure rate because there's a long planning period and it addresses the risk and allows for testing and various iterations. The issue with, uh, with mode two that organizations really have to adopt in terms of the mindset is that uh, it's more of a fail fast, um, fail forward, and fail small. 
And so you really need to time box each idea or each initiative to get uh, a set period of time. Um, and, and within that time frame, if you've been unable to kind of achieve what you're trying to do, then you need to go back and, and really evaluate if this is an initiative you need to move forward with. So I think these are, these are some of the things that, uh, you know, because it's a, a new way of thinking, it's really, like I said, culturally a, a big shift. And, you know, it, it's not that in the old world people did not want to be transform to transform or be innovative, but uh, you know it was done with different uh, you know it was done with different levers and it was done with a different mindset. So since this is such an internal to IT type of a reorganization or change management, do you see any help, assistance, and sponsorship needed from outside, and blessing for that matter, from outside other stakeholders besides the folks within IT for this to become successful? Absolutely. I think this is, uh, that, that is maybe one of the other misconceptions that, um, you know, bimodal IT is because of the the way that the the term has been coined um, and with IT in the name, that it's really something internal to the IT organization. But really, I think it requires a, an enterprise-wide mindset shift to recognize that we are now going to be working in a different way, to recognize that certain initiatives are going to flow through this um, you know, alternative delivery model where we will be more agile and we will be less restricted. Um, there will be more of a focus on, on innovation and rapid uh, delivery, rapid prototyping, speed to market. And and I think that uh, that alignment, I mean, ultimately, right, you still have to work with the entire executive team as far as managing the portfolio of initiatives um, so that everyone understands which initiative goes through which path. And similarly, you know, I think the other, the other key thing is if you are going to do bimodal IT right, your, the teams that you develop for mode two, which is the, the new agile way of development and delivery, those really have to be cross-functional teams, right? Because you need business involvement and the business has to also adopt this alternative way of working because if they're used to the old way of working where, you know, you, you kind of kick off a waterfall-type project and you tell them, hey, for the, we, here's the key activities we're working on and the key inputs from you are going to come in these phases, it kind of, there's peaks and valleys to that, and there's, uh, in the valleys, the business can really go back and, and go back to their day jobs. In bimodal, they really don't have that luxury because we're continue, uh, continuously innovating and we're continuously prototyping something or testing something or, you know, working on defining something. So that really needs to be something that uh, is not just an IT initiative because if it is, then you will not be successful. So if you are to look at the specific areas in which you feel we may be looking at, you know, we will be looking, we will be reevaluating how we work 
in within IT and in terms of how we interact with business when we are trying to adopt bimodal? Which would be the top candidates? So, you know, I would say the the, the top candidates would really be, you know, I think again, it's it, to me, it starts with culture, right? And so, you really have to, <clears throat> you know, define this this new mode and define how it's going to affect your your culture. And it starts with uh, everything from talent acquisition and how you how you staff up this organization. Um, that to me is kind of the, the the top one, and it's first and foremost. And then you know once you once you have that, then you really need to to move into you know figuring out the the governance model um, coming to a balance around uh, you know you can't you can't have the exact same governance as you've had in the past because you know like traditionally on on projects if you go with kind of the full project management and and governance you you're probably consuming about ten percent of the project uh, resources in this new world you have to be leaner from a, a governance standpoint, but still have the right controls in place so that uh, we're, we're effectively evaluating the initiatives as they move along. If you are to look at the, the culture which needs to be in place, you know, like a pre- set of prerequisites, if you will, before you kick something off, Yes. What would be what would need to be in place where you feel okay if I'm going to ask for a change like any other change management we should have the core to be in place. What would that core look like? I think the core is really you know being being open-minded and um recognizing that uh the innovation is going to force us to to work differently. And if we're serious about uh, innovating and transforming rapidly, then you know we are going to have to work in a very different way that than we've been accustomed to. So I think that's that's really the that's really where it starts. And I think the other piece is the the one that I mentioned earlier, which is um, you know you have to also change the the culture from one where you know in the in the past any kind of failure in some organizations is seen as a very negative thing whereas you have to recognize that now in bimodal when you're working in mode 2 there is going to be you know there are going to be initiatives that are not successful every single thing you you every single innovative idea you come up with is not going to go into production and and you know hit your your customer facing systems they are going to be ones that that are just not right for the organization you you may start off with an idea that you think is a great idea but after you you create the prototype and you you work on it further you'll realize that it's it's really just not aligned with your organization for whatever reasons and in those situations you have to foster a, a culture where you know failing fast and and moving on is is okay and that we are going to fail we're going to fail forward um fail small and and not you know belabor stuff and try to put a square peg in a round hole and keep working on it 
longer than than is than the allotted time frame because then you know you will not be meeting any of your objectives under this new delivery model. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And Sahal, let's talk about a specific set of resistance or, or you know, uh, objections that people may have raised, which you had to get over or, or convince them otherwise so that they sure. came on board for, for something like this. Because this is going to change the way they worked, the role they took on, the hours they worked, the quality and quantity of work that will be put on their plate. All of that would change as a result of this transformation. So what objections uh, were the ones for which you had to deal with to get on the bandwagon? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjoke All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjoke All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, um, what resistance, that's what I, uh, we wanted to understand, is what resistance and or objections did people bring up who were part of this team inside who would get affected and or people outside who may eventually be from business or from executive management? What did they bring up and how did you handle them? Absolutely. So I think the the first one is really just, you know, the being nimble and the time element, right, which everyone is not accustomed to working in that model. So as soon as you shift the paradigm from the old world and say, hey, we're now going from long cycle times, which used to be months, to short cycle times, which are weeks and in some cases even days, um, to to work on these, these new innovative capabilities, that immediately raises flags. And there are, you know, there are people that will just question the, you know, the ability for the organization to move that fast, and they will create barriers to say, well, you know, we're going to have poor testing. If you're cutting the cycle time, we're going to have poor, um, poor deliverables because we're not spending the the right amount of time and the right rigor but really it's it's you know helping them to understand that uh you you really are still providing rigor in this process um it's not that uh you know you you kind of get uh free reign to go work on these initiatives and and not do testing and 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 not define them correctly up front. It, it's quite the contrary. It's just that your focus shifts from, you know, a typical, if we think about the ERP world in, in the old days when people were doing ERP projects, you know, one ERP project, let's, let's say, took 12 months to deliver a single release. 
the reason for that is not because there was, you know, one capability that was complex, but really you were bundling numerous capabilities and some were complex and others were not. And and here you really are, you know, isolating capabilities and working on them individually. And really, once you have completed one, then you move on to the next one. So, you know, if you if you were to extrapolate the, the 12-month timeline from a traditional ERP implementation, and you take that into the digital world now with uh, delivery of these innovative solutions in, in mode two, you know, you, you're still spending time and you're still spending cycles on, on definition and testing and, and getting alignment from your business partners, but you're concentrating that into a much shorter period of time. So I think that, that, is, uh, that is where a lot of the, the, the turmoil starts but um you know i think the i think the other one is really you know getting that business involvement because i think that uh you know again there's a there's a misconception that uh you can do bimodal it and run all of the stuff in in mode 2 and it's business as usual for the the functional teams and the the business you know, owners, but that is not the case either. As we talked about earlier, you have to be very close to the customer. The customer um, or business owner needs to be very hands-on and very involved. It's really more of a business-centric um, way of working. In you know, in the traditional world, it it really could be more IT-centric because the business could kind of. Hand, hand off a set of requirements and then go away and you, you wouldn't need to really engage with them again until you got into the development or pieces of the testing, etc. So, you know, I, I think those are, those are two key ones. But I think the other one is really just uh, the ability to work with ambiguity. And, you know, again, some people need very prescribed um, and predictable outcomes on, on projects and, and a very predictable set of steps. Here, you know, it, you really have to, to handpick folks that are good at new and uncertain projects, and, and they're okay with the ambiguity. They're, they're more nimble and can... can react dynamically on the fly as, as things change because every single initiative you deliver under mode two is not going to have the same, you know, prescribed steps. Um, some will, some will, you'll be able to skip steps and, and others you'll have maybe additional steps that you have to take. So I think these are, these are some of the, the key barriers from a, from a people standpoint. But one, one other point I would like to make is that, uh, you know, this is also all predicated on the fact that uh, you have a digitally enabled core. And what I mean by that is that, uh, you know, if you're a 100% mainframe shop and you you now try and introduce bimodal IT, you know, that's going to be only marginally effective because your underlying infrastructure and your underlying systems and processes really are just not, you know, digitally enabled. And therefore, regardless of the great number of ideas and capabilities you come up with, and, you know, those, those will not, you will not be in a, in a 
okay, in a position where you'll be able to deliver those back um, into the, the systems, underlying systems, because of the inherent constraints in some of these, these older core and legacy platforms. So that's also a very important piece, and I think that, that come, kind of comes back to a, another question you had asked around, you know, when do I adopt bimodal IT as, as a leader or as a, as a CIO or, or any kind of change agent? When, when do we do that? And I think you really have to be very honest with yourself about how not just your people are, are able to handle it, but also your underlying systems and your underlying processes. Um, if you're in a, you know, not just, it's not just a systems issue, but if you're an extremely bureaucratic organization with a lot of red tape and, you know, five sets of approvals that are needed for every change to move to production, then you're going to have to rethink all of that before you before you adopt bimodal. Now, um, when we, when anyone, any organization would start or any leader will take this on, they would have some idea about where they are supposed to get to, like what's that holy grail, right? So mm-hmm. what, what would you say is a set of measures of success uh, that you would put in place and, and then, uh, then measure when you have reached there or if you've not reached there? What, what's the way to kind of correct course as we go through this journey? And what are those measures of success someone can put in? Yes, absolutely. So I would say that uh, it really needs to start with um, looking at first defining the right governance model. And once you have the right governance model, then the key metrics, there's key metrics and attributes that will be part of your governance process that will allow you to assess the the success of your initiatives in in the new way of working. So. And, you know, as an example, the, when we talk about some of these attributes, you know, you obviously have to look at business outcomes. You have to look at uh, faster time to market of the, of the prototypes with the features and um, really looking at uh, how do we maximize the business impact of technology. And in order to, to really evaluate your your progress on this journey, you have to have very, very specific um, metrics and, and attributes that you're looking at in terms of, you know, it, what is the, it, it all starts with the time period, right? I think every, you have to, when you start this journey, I think it's helpful to say each idea gets a set number of days, and that, that is kind of the construct that you go into this with. Because again, coming back to my point earlier, if you, you know, keep trying to belabor an idea because it didn't initially work, let's say, within your, your five-day allotment or your 10-day allotment of where you're where doing these prototypes, then, you know, it, you, you really need to, to cut bait on that particular idea and move on. And, and I think that the, the key... You know, the key challenge here is that uh, it is not black and white in terms of being able to gauge your success because for all of the initiatives that you're successful with, there will be, you know, a a percentage that uh, you had to punt on. And the ones that you had to punt on really ultimately, you know, if you look at a traditional ROI analysis or you look at a traditional way of measuring success, it would be 
you know, what is the impact that Initiative X had on the business? And the reality is that in, in this way of working, there, the ones, there are ones that didn't work at all. And so, you know, there was, there was zero impact or zero ROI. So you really have to kind of balance your, um, you know, you really have to balance your, your, your evaluation process and, and your metrics to say, you know, what, what is it that we're trying to do? And, and to me, the best way to do that is to look at your overall strategic priorities. And ultimately, you should be continuing to evaluate every single initiative against a strategic priority or strategic initiative. And just make sure that you have that alignment. And as you move, you have to continue to, you know, enforce the, you know, the set number of days. You have to enforce the the governance. And you really also have to, you know, be able to have, you know, you have to understand that uh, you won't be able to check every box that you did check in the legacy world. So you're not going to have, you know, detailed requirements and specs to the same level of detail that you had in the old world, but you really have to say that you have to develop according to specific characteristics and employee methods um, that are now new and different from the way that you worked in the past. So there's, there's really, you know, I think this is, uh, this is, this is a tough one because again, I, I don't think it's a, it's a black and white thing where, where I can just uh, rattle off five, you know, five metrics and say, evaluate these and, and you'll be fine. But, uh, you know, a lot of these are, you know, have soft benefits, um, soft skills. And, and so the evaluation of, of, of success is is a lot more is it a balance between art and science. So since you mentioned that and and that is at least um, a candid approach to uh, recognizing that not everything is you don't have a crystal ball essentially. Now that does have an impact on the way you build a business case, the way you get become the pipe piper where everybody follows you because you know not there is not a hundred percent clarity. But then coming to who do you choose for the mode one or mode two? That becomes an issue. And then another one is to say, okay, now that I've lived through this journey, the chaos or, or the uncertainty, if I had to relive this journey again, and knowing mm-hmm. that I would not know everything exactly, what would you have done differently? One is how sure. to choose people. Second is how to work with them to make this happen differently. Absolutely. So I think, I think on the people one, um, a, a very good litmus test is that uh, <clears throat> your team in mode one, I would say, needs to have an operator mindset. And your team in mode two needs to have an innovator mindset. So that, I think, is, is the most fundamental thing you need to look at when you're building the teams, is that, uh, you know, what is, what is this individual's core capability? Are they more of a, an operator and someone that needs kind of predictable steps and outcomes? Or are they more of an innovator and risk taker and someone that's willing to, you know, work with ambiguity and embrace it and kind of forge their own path as they go? So I think it really starts with that. And, and you know, I think the, the, the question you, you talk about in terms of, 
you know, what are some of the, the key learnings that if I were to do it all over again? I think the what I would share in that regard is that uh, you really can't mix modes on the same team. You have to keep teams separate. But I think sometimes the, you know, the the risk is that when you're getting started, you really want to have, um, you want to start small, right? Because that's, uh, you can kind of go through like a, a big bang approach and just uh, have no mode two one day and have fully launched mode two on, on the subsequent day. Um, but sometimes the, the pitfall with starting small is that uh, you some of your team members will wear multiple hats. And I think that is problematic because then it, it takes away from the focus that is required and, and the way of working for, for, for mode two um, as well as mode one are, are inherently different. And so you must uh, make sure that... Uh, you know, I think you you start small, just one or two projects, and you you have very you really differentiate um, which projects are going through. But once you've differentiated the projects, you also clearly <clears throat> articulate which of your resources are working on which mode, and ensure that uh, that both modes are working towards the aligned priorities because ultimately, you know, that's that's very easy sometimes to lose track of is, you know, you kind of get more into the 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 shadow IT or stealth IT mode, which is someone has an idea and they just think it's a cool idea and they want to do it without really seeing if it's even aligned with the strate- strategic impacts or strategic priorities rather for this year. So those I think are... Are, are some of the the things that I would share, and I think the other the other one is um, the other thing I would say is is don't wait. I, um, don't don't wait till you you have a perfectly defined uh, model or a perfectly um, constructed team. I think I would encourage everyone to start sooner rather than later. Start small, and I would uh, also just emphasize everyone being open and collaborative, regardless of which mode you work on, because ultimately that, uh, that collaboration and communication is extremely important to the success of, of all initiatives. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back, and let's talk about the risks, because uh, any such initiative uh, that you have, definitely you start because you feel that there are benefits and you see some of them as soft, other as hard benefits in terms of dollars and um, other value that it could create. Now, we also have to balance risk. And and what risk are we talking about here? Is it security risk? Is it any other form of uncertainty that we may introduce within the people or the processes or technology uh, in the process? So let's explore all of that and with an underlying uh, tone of risk management. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. 
You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjog All. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, risk management, take it away. So, I, I would say that uh, the risk really, the biggest risk here is, um, is with cost. Because uh, if you are not, if you don't have good a good governance process, then you know you have the the tendency to to maybe have the meter running and dollars burning with nothing to show for it. And that's why you know having the the set number of days for a particular idea or initiative, I think, is very important because you really have to constrain it upfront and based on what you find in that uh, period of time, you you go with, uh, you know, you, you, it kind of gauges the, where you go with this initiative. So in addition to cost, I think the, the, other, the other risk here is when you first get started, there the the folks that are new to this way of working may feel overwhelmed and feel like they're being spread too thin and in in that world you end up you know not delivering anything well because you know you don't have the right focus and so again what i would say on this is that it's extremely important to have very very clear roles and responsibilities and identify who's working on a particular initiative and really have accountability around um, accountability that's tied back to, you know, whether or not you're meeting a a business goal or strategic um, priority. So, you know, I think the some of the other the other things that I think about as risks would be, um, you know, having the the mode two team get too big too fast. And, and I think that it's important that you keep the Mode 2 team small and you really keep them very focused because when you, again, when you're getting started, um, you, have to start, uh, you have to start small. But in addition to that, I would say that uh, the ranking of, of initiatives or ideas really should be taken outside um, and of the project team because the peop- those people in mode two, it really need to be focused on initiatives that have already been prioritized by the executive team or some other governance body that says, here's what we want to focus on, rather than having the mode two team being bogged down by doing prioritization as well as then trying to execute on these initiatives. And and then I think another common problem is that uh, because each in, each initiative can be very different and can vary greatly in terms of what it is that uh, you're trying to deliver or what part of the business it's touching. Um, there's a tendency sometimes for teams to waste time um, and, and wait in waiting for everyone to get up to speed. And what I would say with that is that uh, you can address this with uh, with really an, an upfront onboarding process and the onboarding process really would uh, be focused on the idea owners um, spending time with uh, the team for that particular initiative in talking through the, the initiative and describing the tasks that they believe we have to go through. 
And, you know, I think this is extremely important. And, and you know, some some people have said that every hour that you spend on onboarding saves you, you know, five to six hours of actual um, work effort down the road because you're really helping people to, to get up to speed and, and set expectations very clearly up front. So I think these are, these are some of the, the key risks um, that, uh, you know, I would share based on what I've seen with our own application of this. And, and again, you know, hopefully that, that is helpful to everyone to, to look at these and, and to, to avoid making these, these mistakes. Now, one last question about the leader, the very leadership that they have to demonstrate in order for them to initiate, manage this transition into bimodal IT and run it successfully. What traits uh, should get introduced or reinforced as a leader? Absolutely. So I think you have to, the leader has to be very dynamic, um, very nimble, and um, must um, be a true change agent that can uh, navigate through ambiguity and to to really drive um, alignment across the organization. Because again, as, as we discussed, the initiatives are going to vary greatly and they're, they're going to need to build consensus. And, and I think uh, having good relationships with all of the, the business partners is, is, I think, extremely important. But if I were to just summarize uh, you know, and prioritize the key traits, I think it really has to be someone that is, that is very dynamic and not, not afraid of uh, ambiguity. On behalf of the show and our listeners, I'd really like to thank you, Sahal, for sharing your thoughts on how organizations can make the best use of this uh, paradigm, which is bimodal IT and bring most value for the business. No problem. Thank you so much again. It was a pleasure to be on the show. Listeners, please like us on Facebook, search for CTN, that is CIO Talk Network, and be sure to follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn community. Thank you again for listening to this segment on CTN. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit ciotalknetwork.com. Thank you again for listening.